0: Hey guys, all right, here we are again, trying out a fun idea that we're calling the Better Together series. So for the next two weeks, we're going to focus on a specific topic or theme of the week like we did last week. This week's theme is mental health and spirituality, where some of the world's leading experts and healers teach you invaluable tools and strategies that alleviate anxiety, depression, PTSD, and so much more. Be sure to let us know what you guys think. Hope you guys are loving it. And if you're not, tell us anyway. We want to be better and we're only better together, right? Uh, Share it with a friend who could benefit and enjoy. Hello, hello, everybody. Welcome to Better Together. When you know better, you get better. Uh, Our quote of the day, you do not need to engage with people. This is my favorite quote maybe (laughs) ever, guys. (laughs) I love that you chose this because I wrote it down to talk to her about. That was Jeff. You do not need to engage with people who are committed to misunderstanding you. That comes from our guest today, Dr. Nicole LaPera. Guys, I don't know how we do it, (laughs) but we do outdo ourselves every single day. Today's show, I am so excited for. We are going to be chatting with holistic psychologist, Dr. Nicole LaPera. For practical tips on how to heal our inner child and release ourselves from trauma bonding. Let's get to our interview with Dr. Nicole LaPera. She is one of the foremost online voices in emotional wellness with over 2.6. I think I saw 2.7 when I followed her today mm-hmm. on Instagram. She was trained in clinical psychology at Cornell University and the New School and the, and founded the Mindful Healing Center in Philadelphia. She's the creator of the online movement, Hashtag Self Healers, where people from around the world are joining together in community to take healing into their own hands. Her work addresses the connection between the mind and body and incorporates nutrition, lifestyle, and psychological wellness practices. Dr. LaPera, thank you so much for
1: joining us. Thank you so much for having me, Maria. I was just processing Harold on my own. Oh, (laughs) Oh my God.
0: You know, I felt really bad for him. And you guys don't want to hear the rest of the story, do you?
1: We do. I know. I can. No. i offer all that. thanks. Mm.
0: My dad had, like, a little mouse poisoning in the back, <gasps> so he ate it, and it, like, oh. starves them of water. And I'm really hurt about it in my head. Like, it breaks my heart. Anyhow, moving on. Let's talk about <laughs> butterflies having eyeballs on their vaginas and, you know, <laughs> genitals. Now, um... I'm so excited to talk to you because, um, oh, man, we were talking with uh, stand-up comedian Nikki Glaser yesterday, and we were talking about, you know, the inner child traumas that kind of plague us in our adult lives and the patterns that continue to repeat, and then boom, I'm starting to do my research on you, and I'm like, oh, my God, I have to tell her she's going to listen to the episode today because you have the answers on how to heal us, but first... Let's let everybody know a little bit about how you got into this, because I think it's fascinating that you were trained as a clinical psychologist at Cornell. And then you were like, yeah, this isn't really helping my patients nor myself. And you started this whole new path. And so I want people to kind of understand a little bit about your journey because it's an important part of your story. Story. Yeah. Story.
1: Yeah. Ab- absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. And it was, you know, it it had its evolution in terms of difficulty too. You know, as a human and and professionally. So on a personal side of things, I'm one of those people. As long as I can remember, I was anxious. I was a little girl scared of the world, hiding under tables. And for me, I just thought that was part of, you know, who I was and what my life experience was going to be. So in my 20s, I did all the forms of therapy, I was in talk therapy, I was on medication. As long as I can remember, whatever that age it is that people start to get asked, what do you want to do mm-hmm. when you grow up? My like inborn fascination with the mind was always directing me to be a psychologist. So for me it was really an intuitive evolution and here I'm someone with anxiety, so I need the help of a me, why not go into the field? Flash forward to a lot of time in training. Many years, I received my clinical, my PhD in clinical psychology. I opened up a practice and just like you introed, I started to see a lot of similarities in my life experience and in my clients, really revolving around one word or one experience, which is stuck. Um, People would come in week after week. We'd have incredibly impactful, insightful sessions where we would know what we're going to do different, my client and I, right? The next time that activating event happens, whether it's in their partnership, in life, we had a plan of action. But what I started to realize, this was in my own personal life as well, I started to realize that I couldn't execute the plan. Neither could my clients. So week after week, we were still in that that stuck cycle. So on a personal side of things around the same time, I it into I think what a lot of us are now lovingly calling a a dark night of the soul and awakening where life as I knew it was seemingly starting to feel really vacant in a lot of ways. I had checked a lot of boxes. I had the practice. I was living in a city that I thought I wanted to live in and yet I was still stuck like my clients. So it was through my own healing, really diving into what for me was new research, was things that were absent In my clinical training, uh, talking about the science of epigenetics, the fact Mm -hmm. that you can change, really empowered me to start to practically find and find my way toward how to integrate changes.
0: Was Dr. Bruce was Bruce Lipton
1: helpful to you in that? Oh, Bruce Lipton, Joe Dispenza, yeah, just really. really I've had them all on the show. Really oh, powerful, yeah. powerful messages. I'd um, love to have a chat with, with each of them. And they, in my field, coming from a very conventional background, that's new. That was new information. Mm-hmm. We were taught a model of genetic determinism, which really just means you either have that genetic chip or you don't. And that determines whether it's the physical you know, illness that you're going to have happen, have expressed or psychological as well. So meeting and hearing this new theory was news. It actually opened the door toward possibility, toward possibility that a future could look and feel different than the past. So they were really, really impactful on my journey. Um, And then it was, you know, how do I harness these tools in my own life, Um, at which point I was starting to actually feel better for the first time ever, which empowered me to want to speak the message and then come online. And the Instagram was born.
0: Yeah. So When you think back to those moments, like what were the most important tools and how were you able to apply them to help yourself?
1: Absolutely. The first, the most foundationally important tool, Maria, that I'm always going on and on about is for many of us developing a new habit of consciousness. Because if you've read, a lot of people might've read um, somewhere upwards of 90, 95% of the day, the percentage changes depending on who you talk to, We are in a state that we lovingly like to call autopilot. programs that we were modeled, ways of being in the world, how we care for our physical needs, how we care for our emotional needs, how we care for our spiritual needs, we learn tools very early on. And unfortunately, many of us are repeating those same patterns in our adult life, and they're not always serving us. So it's really understanding what lives in that autopilot and how impactful that is. And when you begin to observe yourself, you you are surprised. I was very surprised at how habitual I was, how my days in terms of behavior were very much the same. I did the same things behaviorally in terms of my habits. We're also very habitual in our minds. We tend to think the same things. We tell ourselves the same stories about ourselves, about relationships, about our past, about our future. We're very repetitive. If you observe yourself, you also tend to realize how stuck we become in feelings. I call it emotional addiction. We tend to have feelings that we revisit time and time again. For me, those predominant feelings were stress and activation. So what we come to realize is when we're in that autopilot, we're living a version of Groundhog's Day. That's why we're stuck. We are endlessly repeating a past from how we're acting to what we're thinking to therefore how we're feeling and we're not living in that consciousness. So the foundation, in in my opinion and in my practice and in my own healing journey, is developing that consciousness, that ability to see that patterning and then over time to begin to activate new choices.
0: Wow. Getting better isn't easy, but it is a whole lot better when we can do it together. We love and appreciate and are so grateful for all of you. Okay. I want to know how you develop the new habit, but before we get to that, what is emotional addiction?
1: Absolutely. So what emotional addiction is, is those patterned emotions that we tend to cycle back to. So a lot of times they are connected to those patterned thoughts that we have, right? So back in time, my very earliest experience were in a family that was perpetually stressed out Mm -hmm. one of my family mantras that still is is very evident today in the unit is always something Mm -hmm. and always something could have been an actual you know like a crisis event i have i have a chronically ill mother um, and an older sibling sister so it could have been like something was you know health related always something could have been the male didn't come on time Like this was really a cycle of stress so what happened is I got so used to that cycle of stress, mm-hmm. right? And so that su- stored in my subconscious. What happens is I'm living life. I am used to my baseline. Let's think of it like that oh became God. the stress of the activation of stress. I wanna remind everyone that when I talk about stress, I'm also talking about the body and the reaction that stress has in the body which is an increase in a stress hormone called cortisol, which is an increase in adrenaline, which for a lot of us is why our heart rates go up, why we start to feel constricted. So back in time, because that was the cycle I was living, that became my familiar. Mm -hmm. And that familiar is stored in our subconscious. So as I've aged, as I've gotten tools and experiences, right, I started to see a new way of being. I started to see, you know, Oh, okay. I can practice meditation and be calm. And, you know, I can start to separate from my thoughts and I can do something different. What happens is, and this happens for all of us, that pull to the familiar is so strong because it's evolutionary based. And what that means is the familiar to our subconscious equals safety, Mm. because we know we get to know what comes next, Maria, even if what comes next, isn't pleasant. Right, it, it could be an outright negative, even though I don't really like to use positive-negative qualifier. But it could be something that we want to avoid, say. But my mind has learned now, because of the repetition of this happening in the past, that that's what comes next. Mm-hmm. And to my subconscious, which is based, which which main intention or main drive is to keep us safe, that is preferred because that's familiar. What we hate as humans is the unfamiliar, because that could equal mm-hmm. Unsafe, something that is actually threatening. So now, fast forward, right? I go to employ this new tool, such as meditation, or, you know, say I'm even having a peaceful moment on my couch. This is a perfect illustration of emotional addiction. So I have my baseline of stress and chaos. If you would hear me speak, though, what I would tell everyone around me, I'm a hippie at heart, Maria. I would say <laughs> all I want is the throw, throw peace sign. Yes. I just want peace. Leave me alone. Just want to be was- happy. I, yeah. Kumbaya. Right? <laughs> so, however, this is where it gets tricky, where I, when I started to notice I'm saying I am having a peaceful moment on my couch, right? Nothing's nothing stressful in my environment or so does. So I think I would start to feel a discomfort because I wasn't getting my stress. I wasn't used to it because you're used Whoa. to the stress. Oh, my God,
0: you're talking one of, to me. Yes, one of
1: two things would happen. I would either I call it my tick. I would start to just feel so agitated. I couldn't even define what I was feeling. Oh my God. And then the next thing you know, what would happen? My house would be clean top to bottom because I would <laughs> yeah. right, think that I, yeah. would, I would need to be discharging oh my, my energy. <laughs> I, I had another gift that I would do. If someone happened to be around me, say that someone was my partner, right? then I would agitate the relationship. Before I knew it, I would be upset that she didn't put the toothpaste cap back on. Or, you know what, what you said, I didn't really like. And now before you know it, I'm in a stressful conflict with my partner because my drive to that familiar and how unfamiliar the lack there of stress and the hormones related to it, before I knew it, I went right back and I created the situation that I wanted. Drop the friggin' (laughs) mic.
0: Oh my God. I mean, wow. I just think about like growing up, my dad was um, severe type one diabetic And he almost died on the regular, like, literally on the regular, we were searching for him, calling every hospital calling every police station, um, knew the fire department by first name. And just that, that total panic, like I have such a hard time. I mean, since I had surgery three years ago, I've changed a lot, but it is still uncomfortable for me to just sit And B, I have to work really hard at it because Mm -hmm. my familiar is solving chaos, right? Mm -hmm. Saving the day. Like I think I'm superwoman secretly, right? Like I need to save the neighbor. Their gate is open. What if their dog gets out and then the dog gets killed and then I, I didn't save the day. So I'm realizing right in this moment, like saving the day, I'd have to tune in to my dad at all times. I'd be in school and I would feel a message like, he's not okay. And I would run home and I'd find him on the floor comatose. Well, there I was to save the day to, to, you know, bring him back and resuscitate him. And so I, uh, yeah, holy shit. <laughs> well,
1: part of it, what, what sounding like happened too, which is what a lot of us shift into is we do get hyper attuned yeah. to those mm-hmm. around mm-hmm. us, right. To manage whether yep. it's their physical health, whether you've had that explosive parent and you get so attuned to their markers of explosivity so that you can protect yourself. Mm-hmm. Many of us, based on childhood experiences that we've had, that I would go ahead and label as traumatic, because I have a much more expanded definition, they do then result in that outward, right? That I'm scanning the environment and I'm almost, and this is how I was too. I can very much relate. I, this, why do you think I became a therapist? Yeah. I got so good, Maria, at being attuned to you. You might be surprised to hear me say I had no connection to myself. Yeah, I couldn't. I wasn't connected to my body. I didn't know its physical needs. I didn't know really how to meet them. Emotions. I mean, listeners might think you know fall off their. Uh, here I am. I was a clinical psychologist, and I couldn't begin to navigate my own emotions or mm-hmm. to make my, help myself to feel better. You didn't have time didn't really to. Know because I was worried about everyone else. And I was so good at putting other people first. And it sounds like you, I know a lot of us can relate and resonate. And again, that's a perfect illustration of events in childhood. You adapt it to keep yourself safe because when you're a child and you're dependent as we all are as human children, we need our caregivers. Mm -hmm. So you did what you needed to do to keep your father and by proxy you safe in that moment however you held on to it. So now you're the neighbor, right? Scanning the environment on town watch, making sure everyone else is okay with the question being what's going on in Maria's home with the question for me being what's going on in Nicole's home? And the answer was a whole lot of nothing for Nicole.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Um, Okay. So you talked about, we're talking about tools. And so number one was creating a new habit of consciousness. What else, what other tools helped you?
1: Absolutely. So the new habit of conscious, first, we have to understand how unconscious we are, right? So, so go, go look, observe, see yourself being very patterned, right? Despite Mm -hmm. maybe intentions to do otherwise, and then create the ability to be conscious through meditation, through conscious moments in our day where I check in with my senses, our senses, as well as gratitude practice that can bring our attention from wherever else it was in our subconscious into the given moment. That's what I mean when I say be conscious. So for many of us, because I myself was very disconnected from my conscious state, that takes a lot of time. Once we learn how to be conscious, now we wanna harness that. And now we wanna expand the practice into something that I call self-observation. We wanna start to learn how in real time to observe ourselves, to observe our habits. What we want to spend a lot of time observing is our mental, our internal world. A, we'll notice how thoughts are ever present. We are thinking from the time our eyes open until the time they go into bed. And many of us are thinking throughout our sleep, right? Endlessly thinking. So we're spending a lot of time in our minds. And the issue with that is the, the, the narratives, right? Back to those repetitive stories I was talking about. They become the filters through which we're viewing. which is why all of our current life looks very similar to that past because we're viewing it through the lens of that past oh my god so as in real time and we're watching that pull toward that familiar because that's going to be there i want to assure everyone and i'm always the bearer of this bad news you're going (laughs) to listen to this beautiful podcast this conversation you and i are having and your subconscious is still going to tell you what you're going to do next it doesn't click off like a light switch and go away. Mm. So what we need to do is cultivate consciousness at those really pivotal moments. When I want to make a new choice in terms of how I'm acting in the world or in my relationships, this is where a lot of us are very patterned. When I want to make a choice to say, okay, thank you, old narrative. I see you. You're not helpful though now. I can make a choice to redirect my attention to some other thought that is maybe more applicable or more accurate in the current moment. Right. And I also then learn to have a new relationship with my emotions. I learn to see them for what they are. What are they? They're just sensations that are living in our body. A lot of us are living in our mind with our emotions and we're elongating them. And we're some of us are living for decades in the emotional fallout of a very real event. I'm not going to invalidate the emotions, though they would have processed already. We would have moved through them and a lot of us stay stuck in them. So with consciousness comes self-observation, comes choice. And now we get to start to create new choices that over time string together to create a new lifestyle and then perhaps a new future complete with new behaviors, new thoughts, and new feelings.
0: Damn, I'm taking such copious notes here. Wow. Wow. So new habit of consciousness, we're self-observing, real-time observing our internal world. Then we know we have choices to make for our new, new lifestyles and our new life. How long did it take you to get there? And are you still getting there?
1: Ding-ding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I'm I'm desperately looking. I used to call it my hammock in the sky where I'm just... <laughs> <laughs> proverbial doneness that we're all looking for completion yeah. ending is I get to find it. Uh, I, I believe jokes aside, healing and living in consciousness is a daily practice. Mm. We don't get, get to just again, switch that, that light switch and be locked into a new mode. And that's okay because you know what another state of human that is really stru- difficult for many of us to tolerate impermanence, which just means it's ever changing. Yeah. We're ever changing and the environment outside of us is ever-changing. Mm-hmm. So what we really wanna do, right, is empower ourselves internally with tools and resources to navigate the uncertainty that is implicit in the human experience. So I say that to say it's more of an active way of living than necessarily a state of doneness. Though so I, like many of us, have been desperately seeking that utopian state of doneness. Yep. I can assure you, that our brain is, is called something and, and maybe uh, Dr. Lipton spoke about it or any listeners have heard, it's called something neuroplastic it's mm-hmm. referred to, which means it can change, right? Neurons that wire together, fire together and all that good stuff. So as we begin to practice, we create new programs mm-hmm. that make it easier, that make things that, you know, for me 10 years ago were not even possible Now just part of my daily, but I still have to be very conscious of myself to navigate the ever-changing world.
0: Yeah. So does your old kind of programming rear its ugly head at
1: times? Oh, on the daily. Okay. This is where we dive into the deeper world. Okay. So I believe that there's a part of our subconscious, that program, that computer kind of area that we keep, I keep referring to it as the inner child shit. Where our (laughs) inner child lives. (laughs) Yeah. And that, that there is probably the most difficult part of the healing journey. Well, you talk about
0: unparenting.
1: Yeah, reparenting. So a lot of us, so going back in time to that state of dependency that I spoke of, all humans are dependent. We're the the only mammal that quite literally needs someone to take care of us fully. As far as I see it, we have three very general categories of human needs. Physical, quite literally keeping the physical organism alive to another day. Emotional, we have that complex, like I said, hormones and neurotransmitter, energetic world. And then we have spiritual, I believe, the uniqueness that is each of us. So back in time, we... We're fully dependent on someone else. We as humans are also wired for relationship. So having others and relating to them is very much in in our DNA. And when we're there, when we're in this childhood state, we're learning by everyone around us. Of course, all of our family units look different depending on whom and where we were born, right? But we're taking in and we're learning how to identify and meet our physical needs. We're learning how to identify and meet our emotional needs and we're learning what of spiritual and how to be just who we are in the world the issue is we're learning from people who learn from someone else and from someone else and from someone else and this is where you're talking about earlier the intergenerational component comes in meaning we are limited by what our caregivers know just put it really simple i can't teach someone something that i don't even know i don't know Mm -hmm. so this is very simply how this shifts right So what we learned in childhood becomes the ways that we continue to attempt to meet those three sets of needs, physical, emotional, and spiritual in adulthood. The issue is not all of us got as complete a modeling education in in childhood. Many of us were raised by caregivers who weren't meeting their physical needs or who the ways in which they were teaching us to meet our physical needs don't work for the unique human that we are. Same thing emotionally. I was raised by parents who were very emotionally uh, distanced from me. Again, the only emotion that I learned to navigate, not well, was stress. Mm-hmm. Sadness was not present. <clears throat> Anger was not really present unless it erupted. Mm-hmm. Right. Spiritually, what I mean by spiritual needs, and this is why I have a, very, a much more expanded definition of trauma, I believe universally we each have three core spiritual needs. We want to be seen, mm-hmm. heard, and have space to be us, to be uniquely expressed. And this is where you and kind of being the the savior and the caretaker develops. When we don't have that, when we're just being us isn't enough, we're very attuned and we're very adaptive. So we learn how to show up to be enough. Yes. So for you, that was taking care. For me, that was performing. I was very just naturally good academically and athletically. So, you know what I did? I performed. I went and I became the golden child in my family in that way. Oh, but that I was know. Only I did it too. Right. So that's so all of this is you kind of people thinking back and maybe some of us really know kind of what our family was like in childhood. Maybe some of us don't have many memories. I know I don't. Though if you watch yourself, particularly in your relationships, you'll begin to see what you were taught in terms of meeting needs in those three areas. What I have found overwhelmingly, and I include myself in all of this, this is why I can speak so readily on this because I've lived it. I'm still living it. We then have to teach ourselves. We have to reparent. We have to learn a better way in adulthood Mm -hmm. to meet our needs. So in terms of emotionally, because I was starting at zero, I still am learning. I still have those moments, Maria, where I, I deal with my emotions in the old way that I used to, which for me is dissociating, is checking out. Mm-hmm. And if I have really limited resources, it's being agitated with my partners or with people that I'm close to. I still do that Yeah. because that's the hardest. Those are the hardest moments to be conscious when we're having a feeling that's really big to choose a <clears throat> new behavior. So the short answer is always. I'm, I'm so I'm still, glad
0: to hear you say that because I feel like I beat myself up sometimes because I'm like, Maria, you had a life altering moment. You really worked hard to hang on to the lessons. And, you know, it like sometimes it's not there. And I I feel like, wait, I learned this lesson. Like, get back to where you were, Maria, what's wrong (laughs) with you? But, and I've, I've talked about like the fact that we really need to re-raise ourselves, right? Because our parents, like you said, are limited to what they knew. They did the best that they could with what they had, right? But w- as we grow up and we see our limitations in a sense, or our kind of like programming that we don't really like, <laughs> you know, we need to re raise ourselves. And this is why I do this every day because I get to have conversations with people like you where you don't feel alone you don't feel like you're crazy and you can maybe find some aha moments that you can apply to change your life and so i'm i'm happy to hear you say that it's a daily practice because i think it's going to unburden everyone that's listening from thinking that they're supposed to it's like we're all such high achievers right and we just want to like check it off the list this isn't mm-hmm. to do anything else. It is incredible. I love it. Frizz-free, up your schedule with Way. Go to the Way T H E O U A I dot com and enter the promo code Heel Squad for 15% off any product. That's the Way, T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com. Promo code heal Squad. Trust me, you won't regret it. Something you can just check off the list, obviously.
1: Yeah. And that's understandable, because usually we're uncomfortable to some degree, some of us significantly, and we want the quickest path to f- to feel better. I have a virtual membership. Then every month we cover a, a, a new topic in healing. And there's always more or less two steps. The first step, that how we engage with this new topic. Um, so last month it was creativity. The first step is to observe, right? Create just the general concept in our life. And then the next step is usually an action-based step to create change in that area. And what I consistently observe in myself and in, in all the members, we don't want step one. Hmm. We're not interested we want to go right to step two. So what do I do? How do I change? How do I find my, my quickest path to feeling better? And that unfortunately this, this is why I'm always, it is a practice. Step one, being conscious allows step two to be possible. And the reason I'm really happy that, you know, kind of you're feeling a, a version of what I might call relief in hearing this. This is why I explain the body, and all of the ways the body and the body and the mind, this is why I call myself holistic now, the body and the mind connected in the Mm -hmm. spirit, because there are explanations. There was explanations for that stuckness that I was seeing in myself and my clients, and there's explanations for why it's so hard to change. And I know, myself included, a lot of us carry a lot of shame. We feel like we're broken. We feel like something's wrong with us. We take it to mean, oh, yep, that's evidence that I'm not meant to have this life, this partner, this thing. Right, and we kind of assume the responsibility, you know, for for it. And my goal is to empower the responsibility to change it, but to give the understanding for how and why we're seeing the same patterning that we are. And obviously, then the hope that we we can create a new a new future. Um, but there's reasons why there's very much reasons why we're we're stuck in the ways that we are.
0: Yeah. How. um how do you guide your patients through intergenerational trauma?
1: So that same thing, and it's interesting, I'm happy you asked this on the heels of that, because what I find, you know, what we, what we shift and change within gets to be reflective without. So often when we, when we allow space for that self-compassion, right, when we don't just criticize that same pattern, maybe, oh, yeah, I slipped and I'm back in that old thing I used to do, right, and when we make space and we can hold compassion for ourselves we can then extend that outward. We can then understand that our parents were limited. They are human too, that they are constricted, right? By what they learned to be true about themselves and the world. And then we can understand intergenerational trauma. This isn't me trying to argue anyone out of, if you have, you know, a lot of us, as we come to awareness about this patterning, very understandably, we might feel hurt, angry you know, at our parents or at our caregivers or whomever. Of course, I'm not trying to own those feelings. They're part of what your experience has been and currently is. However, I love the word and. My goal is can we be flexible? And when we're talking about patterning this intergenerational, can we also understand where it's coming on from, from them? Because a lot of us tend to do something different. What we do instead, we personalize it. We tend to say, oh, well, it's because I wasn't a good kid or it's because I wasn't lovable enough. Another one we love, I wasn't worthy of something different. And that's really painful. And that's not the reality. The reality is it likely wasn't really about us per se at all. Again, it was about the limitations of our caregivers. So I urge everyone to work with intergenerational you know, trauma or passing on of habits, conditioning patterns, whatever we want to call them in that way, flexibly understand it carries a lot of information, especially those of us that know, right. Our kind of extended family, yeah. we can see kind of how these things, some of us very clearly, right. So that can allow us to be more flexible to honor that that's is what has happened to our lineage, if you will to be proud as hell. If we're the person who's attempting to create change, to do something different, it's very, very difficult. And to evolve into that flexible space where I can say, yeah, that happened. My family is stuck in this way. It might be a painful reality, right? And it came just year upon year, decade upon decade of people just not knowing how to do different.
0: Yeah. So cool. Um, it's funny. I did, um, some, uh, intergenerational like clearing work have you ever done that before
1: energetic you mean yeah
0: like I I had this guy you know do this kind of like reading and clearing and when he started to talk about the things that happened like you know multiple grandparents away or you know whatever and I I went and checked with my family they were like oh yeah that happened and I was like what actually, we should get him on the show. I didn't Mm -hmm. even think of that. His name is John. He's in London. Like, he was like, well, there were murders on both sides of your family in the villages in Greece. And I'm like, oh, please. And then I talked Mm -hmm. to my parents and like, oh, yeah, actually. And I'm like, what? And then they're Mm -hmm. like, there are things that are tied to it. Like, like, um, crazy. Anyhow, um, I I think it is. Yeah, it's 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 a lot to kind of um, explore. The other thing that I wanted to talk about was trauma bonding. Because I had <clears throat> someone point out to me that my husband and I were bonded in trauma, we both had, like mm-hmm. severe family situations that we were dealing with. And um I mean, we've been together for 20, is it 22 years now? A long time. A long ass time. (laughs) Anyway, um, but we were definitely very trauma bonded. And so I want to know more about that and how you help people, um, you know, break free of any trauma bonds that aren't serving them, let's say.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So what I, my definition of trauma bond is, again, a little more expansive. And it really includes our whole patterning of how we relate to another person again you guessed it beginning very early in time with those earliest core relationships and all of those what for many of us were adaptation and compromises right to keep that bond to keep ourselves to the best of our ability getting our needs met in those three areas and because we're very patterned we learn that becomes the model so it starts in our you know our family units then we become toddler age or we go off to school. And then before we know it, we're repeating that way of being with our peers. And then we, you know, we get into romantic relationships. So trauma bonds is the inclusive whole way we show up in relationship with others, with the reality being that it's very much grounded in how we showed up to begin with. So for someone like you and I, right, it, it means showing up as that caretaker, as the savior. For someone else. If you look across all of the different types of relationships you're in, you probably find a little evidence of that. You're mm-hmm. probably playing somewhat of the same role mm-hmm. in all of your relationships. My partner and I very much started as a trauma bond as well. There were certain aspects of her and her attachment and how she coped with it that elicited in me, you guessed it, that stress roller coaster that I was used to. Mm. And so for me, that was a type of relationship I was used to, one that was stressful at times, one that was agitated, one that I would feel close in that, because that's how I felt close to my family at home. So I get this question a lot. Can we shift out of trauma bonds? Absolutely. Right. So it's yes, it's you and your 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 partner, your husband, right? You both have lived serious Family things. Mm -hmm. Chances are there's a lot of other similarities in your condition patterns and relationship that made the relationship at first familiar to you. Right. So, what trauma bonding is, is the whole way of being. We want to observe ourselves in relationships. We want to explore how we navigate our needs in relationships. How do we get our physical, our emotional, and our spiritual needs met in our relationships? And many of us will come to find it's very conditioned, it's very much like what we were shown. In childhood. So for me, I very much continued to show up putting everyone else before me. So my work was to evolve the way I relate it in relationships. And they can change is to start to show up differently. So for me, that was starting to honor my own needs, when I had them in my relationships. Wow. Wow.
0: So I don't feel as bad having a trauma bond now. Cause I'm like, is she going to tell me that I need to divorce Kevin? Most most of us, most of us do. I'm like, it could be really inconvenient right now during COVID. (laughs) Before the show, she's like, oh no, she's going to tell me. (laughs) I'm going to have to get rid of Kevin. Poor Kevin. But you know, it's funny. I think back to when I was young and I was really infatuated with asking like friends, like, would you still be friends with me if something happened to me? If I was deformed or if I, something bad happened to me, I always ask people that question. Mm. And then... And when I first met Kevin, what connected with me really quickly was that he was a caretaker. He had taken massage therapy classes to heal his dad of pain. His dad had cancer. And I was like, oh, my God, you're a caretaker? Done. And I was like, I literally said, you have no idea, but you, I'm going to make you fall in love with me. And you're it. And that's it. And that was it. And, you know, who would know? bonus wonderful pistachios is one of the highest protein nuts with six grams of protein in every one ounce serving so on top of all that they keep me feeling satisfied i'm energized while i'm juggling all this crazy stuff in life next time you're looking for a convenient and guilt-free snack head over to www.wonderfulpistachios.com and stock up on your favorite flavors today minus the sweet chili that i who would have known that i would have needed a caretaker right i had major brain surgery my mom's got brain cancer like he's been all Mm -hmm. of our caretakers um, and, and I think like, yeah, I think when I, cause I spent so much time being the caretaker in a sense, I probably just needed to be
1: rescued. <laughs> mm. yeah. Well, what I heard when you asked that question, will you still love me Yeah. if I'm not your caretaker? Yeah. Because for you, you learned to associate love with wow. playing that role. Just like I learned to associate love with playing, just like all of us learned to some extent to associate love and the version of connection we knew with one part of ourselves. Mm-hmm.
0: But even and more not, so, I think it was, I think it was more so the need to be perfect, right? Because my family was like, what yeah. is everyone going to think? What is everyone yes. going to say? And you got to, you got to wear the perfect dress and you got to. And so if I wasn't going to be perfect for you, would you still love me? That's what yeah. I think it was more yes. for me. Because mm-hmm. yes. um, yeah. I used to ask my friends all the time and I'm like just like thinking about that right now. And it's just interesting.
1: Yeah. Mhm. So that's, that's a perfect example. So listeners, right, go observe the things that come out of our mouth and the things that we say to ourselves in our head aren't coincidental. They're very much grounded in experiences we had and meanings that were either made for us or we made of our own experiences and then we just become very very repetitive and very stuck and rigid in them.
0: Yeah. You talk about how st- the the negative emotions that we feel are so closely tied to our personal health. And it's funny, I feel like I have these moments where I'm like, oh, you have like stomach issues? Like, okay, so yeah, when was your mom diagnosed with cancer? And like I did that yeah. with Kelsey and she yeah. was like, oh my God, I didn't even think of that. Like it's so connected. <laughs> so tell me a little bit about how you approach that with your patients.
1: Yeah, I, I think most physical symptoms obviously most stuck emotions cyclical thoughts are coming from somewhere so mm-hmm. i define holistic i think you know kind of as two concepts mind body soul the interconnection and the 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 origin like what is the original source and i like to question and wonder that cuz i think what a lot of us are doing is we're seeing the symptoms of an original kind of deeper driving imbalance Typically in one area, physically, emotionally, or, or spiritually. Um, so I think that I urge us all to understand, you know, what it is that's driving it. And so for many of us, that is something maybe that did happen, patterns that did originate very early on in life. And then instead of just, I call it the band-aid approach, instead of just trying to kind of band-aid the symptoms, which we're very good at as a society. I really urge us all to do those deeper explanations that you were urging Kelsey, like what is driving it? What is that Mm -hmm. deepest wound or the conflict that's coming up for you that might be producing? Some of us do have physical symptoms. What part of my dark night of the soul, Maria, I started to faint. I had never started. I had never fainted ever. I never had a fainting experience. And over the course of a six month period, I, took up fainting. I just started to faint wow. left and right. I started to have weird cognitive things start to happen. Was your body so just us, saying,
0: stop it. it was I'm my so body stressed was out.
1: Yeah, absolutely. My nervous system was going into full shutdown because yep. what I came to realize as part of my emotional addiction, my stress-based experience I was living with a hyperactive fight or flight nervous system. Yep. My nervous system was activated at all times. Yep. Which is why you heard me describe myself earlier as on edge, mm-hmm. as waiting for the next shoe to drop, as losing my shit when the mail didn't come on time. You know, because when you're waiting and you're so hyper-vigilant, it's such small things yeah. that shift us. So physical symptoms, again, cyclical emotions, cyclical thoughts. That's not our resting state. And if those are there, I urge listeners to take the holistic approach and try to understand what's driving them as opposed to just putting the band aid over them.
0: Yeah. I think um, it's, man, it's crazy because we all have, and I think women even more specifically, because we are like such warriors and we're nurturers and all of that. Um, we are the ones that are in fight or flight so much. That's why we're, we have more autoimmune disease in our, you know, you know, gender, um, But I know I've lived in fight or flight. I know there's no coincidence why my mom and I both got brain tumors, right? We both lived in fight or flight our whole lives. And so yours manifested as fainting and cognitive, ours manifested in brain tumors because we were just constantly stressed and thinking and thinking and trying to tune in and worried and but everybody's got a different thing, right? Like for me, you know, it was a lot of physical, like I was afraid physically because of, you know, different abusive scenarios that I was dealing with. And You know, and then it was my dad and we're wondering, is he going to be dead or alive today? And, you know, those, that's a lot Mm -hmm. on a body. And then because the patterns, we don't realize it until, you know, we wake up at some point and get a brain tumor. Holy shit, I've been doing this all wrong. And why have I been having the same patterns at work? What people don't realize is if you're continuing to get that shitty boss, (laughs) or that shitty situation, it's because it's your parents now, like, but in the workforce, like your family just Mm. gets transported Mm. and now you have that family dynamic at work.
1: Yeah. Right? And this is why you get so locked in it because you're accurate. When you say, you know, I have shitty relationships or shitty things happen to me, you're not wrong. Yeah, so you're just getting abused at work because you're used
0: to,
1: yeah, you're used to getting
0: abused at home. So then you get abused at work and you're like, why? Do I have a sign on me that says, kick me? <laughs> but really, the energy you're putting out is you're saying, it's okay. Mm-hmm. I don't have boundaries. You can take advantage. Mm-hmm. You can do all of this stuff. And I'm just going to keep taking
1: it. Am I wrong? Yeah, absolutely. That's exactly why what happens. And then it's hard to refute. When you do look around and you start to say, you know, like, this life is throwing lemons at me you're not wrong it is you that is the reality you are stuck in so i'm here to offer people that there's an explanation for this reality it's based in our earliest of experience that continue to color our current one and then to just hopefully open the door toward the possibility to create a new future and I'm I'm the living embodiment of that. If you would have spoken to me a decade ago, the beliefs that I was soldered into, that I thought I knew exactly who I was and what I was capable of, and I started to realize they were all I used to like argue for were my limitations because I believed it, because I watched them in life. And until I began to heal, until I began to become conscious, until I began to own what was mine and create a new future based more on attunement to myself. I didn't embody new beliefs, it took a lot of time. Now I can surely tell you that 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 person I was a decade ago might as well have been a different human in so many ways, which is why I'm so impassioned about getting these tools out there to anyone and everyone who who can benefit from them. Because the change I've experienced in my life was, I I never imagined, I I, I, I thought I knew. I thought I knew my lane and I knew the things that I would be capable of and the things that I wanted. And I turn that on its head. And I believe anyone can do that.
0: I love it. We just talked about limiting beliefs. We did a whole Mm -hmm. episode on it on our Patreon. Um, That's out what, tomorrow? Saturday. Oh, Saturday. Saturday. Um, But yeah, I think what you're doing is incredible. And I know that we're going to have to do a lot more episodes Mm -hmm. with you. Because I
1: love to talk about this stuff. So. I, no,
0: you're so eloquent, by the mm-hmm. way. You're so good at explaining it. And by the way, if you're not following her on Instagram, um, you must. We'll put the link in uh, the description. I, I was just one after the other. I was like, holy shit. Oh, mm-hmm. my God. Oh, my God. So many like crazy, unbelievable, like breakthrough moments. And so um, I'm a huge fan and I'm grateful that you took the time to share all of this with us, and um, and you know we'll have you on again, and I, I want to talk about well, maybe one last thing. Oh shit, I have to get this <laughs> last thing. Future self journaling, last yes, thing.
1: Yes, have to do it today. Awesome. Well, so that I'm happy you ended on that because that's actually a tool as not being a journaler myself, you know, kind of your diary, how I'm feeling in my healing journey. I created a very intentional way uh, to build in a daily habit of journaling to help create that new future. So I have free, free daily journaling prompts, um, future self journal prompts. If you sign up for the email list on my website, your holistic psychologist. And so it's a practice each and every day of drawing to mind an intention to create change where we're really harnessing, the fact that our brain can change, and the mm-hmm. fact that if we start to write and be and speak as if the change has already happened, we can create a scenario of mental rehearsal. Actually, Amplifying the chances that we keep those promises throughout our day, that we do build, whether you're like me, and the first habit you're going to create when you, after listening to this show, is consciousness. Mm-hmm. For weeks and months upon end, every day, I use this journal prompt to create a habit of consciousness mm-hmm. and I practice and I practice and I practice and I practice. And then I created change. So anyone who's interested, um, free journal prompts, sign up for the email list on my website and that will come right to your inbox. And I think it's an incredible tool that helps create change.
0: Oh, we have so much homework this weekend. Um, I already signed up for it. I can't. So i had um, this, I'm so excited. We have this amazing <laughs> um, woman, Alisa Vitti. She's mm-hmm. um, a female biohacking expert who cured herself of PCOS and has the answers to everything female hormonal. And it's unbelievable. So we have like all of her work to yep. do. We have your work to do. Um, For people who want to take your virtual events, is that all on your website as well?
1: Yeah. So if you go to my Instagram as well, psychologist, I have a link tree. It's currently closed for enrollment because behind the scenes, very excitedly, we are creating a new website to house okay. the membership and all of the content and all of that. So we're thinking probably in the next couple months that will reopen. So the Instagram is the main hub. You come see me heal every day. I put out helpful content and then I'll always keeping everyone posted with when that next round of members opens up probably in the next couple months. I love it. I think
0: um, we should offline talk to um you about doing like a weekly something or other we do a weekly good news movement Mm -hmm. um segment we're working on a women's and and maybe we do something with you because i think it'll be so good and then we have another one too that we're working on so all right we're gonna figure that out um dr nicole laperna thank you so much
1: Thank you so much, Maria, for having the chat with me and sharing your audience. I really, really appreciate it. Awesome. Well, we
0: will be chatting again. We're going to talk shadow work, all kinds of stuff. I mean, yes, I have pages I of stuff it. we didn't get to, <laughs> but I have pages of notes for myself. Um, so I'm really excited to to start working on some of this stuff. Thank you so much. Have an awesome day. Of course. Thank you. You too. You I guys. Woo! come on, guys. How do we top ourselves every day? I was day? just
1: going to say, we the, have been very consistent with Incredible, like incredible guests, and it just the thing. I'm makes so stunned excited. by is how
0: they just weave in and out. It's like I this know. lesson that we didn't quite finish yesterday. And tomorrow's guest will button it up for you. You know, yeah, she's amazing. No, I got chills a couple times. Her, 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 um, her tone or demeanor, mm-hmm. the way she expresses it, mm-hmm. it's like. It's so calm and and easy to digest and take in and so yeah. I am super excited. That was awesome. I feel like so alive after this show every know, day. I'm always too. like, "Yes." Me too. But I do feel less guilty now because I do beat myself up a little bit when you know, I'm not I'm not where I was or mm-hmm. I, I falter a little or whatever. So now I'm I'm going to remember it is a daily practice, Maria. It is. And so um, I'm really excited. And this is our daily practice. I mean, yeah.
1: hello. I know. This is what we
0: do. We get better together, guys. Uh, If you want to follow her on Instagram, of course, it's at the holistic psychologist. We'll put that in um, the description. Of course, she has her journaling ebook for free, like she said, on our website and Uh, so much more. Thank you guys, as always, for joining us. And we'll have more amazing content for you. And if you like today's episode, you should check out our episode on shadow work with Kelly Kassau. It recently re aired on June 16th. She's amazing as well. And um, I think you'll really enjoy it. In the meantime, follow us at Maria Menounos at The Holistic Psychologist at Jeffrey Crane Graham at Kelsmeyer2. And remember, be nice people, make good choices, and be present. Hey, Heal Squad. We have been on quite the journey together, and we're hearing from so many of you just how much this show is helping you heal and get better, and it makes us feel so good. We love, love, love it, and we just ask that you don't keep it to yourself. Spread the message and share the show